Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Listen, Matthew 13, 24. I want to read it real quick as we begin. It says that Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, say sleeping, sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. We'll talk about that in just a few moments, but I want to welcome you officially to the local church, everyone at home at Everglades Correctional. We believe it's a perfect place for imperfect people, and I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to let you know that I grew up in the arcade. Does anyone remember the arcade? Come on, make some noise. Some of the older folks are like, yeah, that's where all those little hippies hung out. And some of the younger folks, you have no idea what an arcade looks like. So we've kind of, we've kind of set this place up to, to bring us back to that time of the arcade. Because I grew up in the arcade, and here's what happened. Every Wednesday, I was in elementary school. My sister, she was in middle school. And so my mom would pick me up from school, and she would take me to the mall, to the arcade, as we waited for my sister to get out of the school. And, and so I went to the arcade every Wednesday to play this game right over here, Street Fighter Two. Oh my God, anyone, anyone love Street Fighter Two? See, I, I just said raise your hand. Some of you guys are hooting hollering because it, it, it's like the quintessential like combat game. And so for many months, I would go Wednesdays after school to the arcade to play Street Fighter 2. And the guy who worked at the arcade, he taught me how to play. He taught me some skills, some strategies. He taught me some patterns so I can do special moves like the Haruken and the Shoryuken and the Tatsumaki Senpokiyaku. Like some of you guys, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just follow along with me. And so he taught me how to play these, this video game, but he also taught me the rules of the arcade. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there are rules to the arcade. The one I want you to understand today is, is a very simple rule, but if you don't follow it, a lot of chaos can ensue. The rule is this. If you are next in line, if you are waiting to play a game, what you would do is you would take a quarter out of your pocket and you would put it on the cabinet. And whichever quarter was yours would signify what place you had in line. And so that's how everyone knew there's six people before I get to play. I'm going to put my quarter down. So this was just the rule of the arcade when video games used to cost cost only a quarter. And then one day in the arcade, this guy showed up that apparently didn't know the rule of the arcade. And so I was next to play Street Fighter 2, and when the person ahead of me lost, this guy just cuts in line and jumps on the machine and puts in his quarter. And at this point, I'm triggered. I'm like, who does that? Don't they know the decorum of the arcade? My, my quarter was there. How come he just cut in front of line and, and, and just, just, you know, beat me to the arcade machine? And so I, I'm triggered now. Inside of me, there's all this anxiety. I don't know what to think or how to behave. But I'm like, okay, I'm just, just going to let him lose because he apparently is no good. And then I'll take my place in line. And when he lost, he reached in his pocket, put in another quarter and continued to play this point now now I'm I'm even more triggered and I cross my hands I start I start huffing and puffing and speaking underneath my breath I mean can you believe this guy who does this how does he not know he's not even that good and this is when he began to push my buttons he began to make fun of me saying dude what are you doing like who cares it's just a game 
Then he started to make racial slurs towards me. He's like, what are you in a rush for? Didn't your dad make this game, Mr. Chachi Fu? He starts making all these Asian sounds. And so now because he's pushed my buttons, now I know what to do. I got angry. I pushed him off the arcade. And it sounds very heroic, and I pushed him. But here's, here's what I failed to take into account. He was uh, way bigger and older and stronger than me. He was probably in high school to be in the arcade at that time. And so he proceeds to chokehold me, picks me up by one hand, holds me up in the air, and then throws me. I run out the arcade, I cry to my mom, never spoke about it again for several, several years. And here I am some three decades removed from this, but I still remember it Clearly, it was the first time that I can recall that I ever felt public anxiety of of not knowing what to do and in the presence of people I didn't know. It was the first time that I acted in anger publicly. And, And I've had to learn how to grow past these triggers and buttons in my life. And, and I'm at the point right now where if someone makes an Asian slur, it just rolls off my back. I'm like, come on, you, you don't know me. And I made the device, you know, my family made the device or talking on. So I, I don't care about Asian slurs that much anymore. But, but if I'm not careful, I can still get triggered when someone cuts me off in traffic. So I've had to learn I've had to to grow in my my mental maturity and my mental health. I had to to learn how to control these triggers in my life and these buttons that people push so that they don't control me. And that's what I want to talk about in this series. I want to talk about our triggers, say triggers, and our buttons. Say buttons. Let me define that so we have a common understanding of what we're talking about throughout this teaching series. Write this down. A trigger is something internal that you believe that makes you respond with anxiety. Again, a trigger is something internal that you believe in your mind that makes you respond with anxiety. That's what a trigger is. We get triggered so often in 2022 with the news and social media and things like that. Here's what a button is. A button is something external that you endure, that happens to you, that makes you respond with anger. Again, a button is something external that you endure, that happens to you, that makes you respond with anger. And over the next several weeks, I want to help us to understand how we can manage and control our triggers and our buttons so that we can be used in ways by God that we had not anticipated yet. I want us to to grow our, our mental health where we now have control of the outside, the external, and the internal feelings that we experience so that we can be used by God to the fullest. Now, if you're new to local church, if you're just watching online for the first time today, we started 2022 by declaring that this was our year of release. It's our year of release that when we learn to, to let go of everything that we are to God and allow him to go and do everything that he wants to do in our life, he releases upon us when we release to him all of who he is. And we started this year by reading this passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be up there on your screens. You can follow along online or on your app. Here's what it says. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
We started this year talking through this, and I, I want to remind us as we head into this series that Paul is talking to believers in this place called Rome. These are people who've already publicly declared that Jesus is their leader, their Lord, that he is the forgiver of their sin, their Savior. And he speaks to these followers of Jesus. He says, do not be conformed to the world, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As a reminder for even us today in 2022 that, that as believers, we can settle for salvation and never experience transformation. We can settle simply for, I'm saved, I got my get out of hell free card, and never experience transformation in this life. And for those of you who were baptized today, you, you took the first step in transformation. You made the decision in your mind that I'm going to go public with my faith in Jesus. And so God says that, that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this is a powerful principle. And I want to remind you what we said in the beginning here. This, this, this speaks to us that we don't change our life by trying to change our life. It's not behavior modification, it's, it's complete transformation. We change our life by changing our mind. Jesus says, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. He says, I want to change your mind. And if I can change your mind, then I can change your life. But what I want to talk about today as we head into this series called Triggers and Buttons is, is there's a difference between Wanting mind renewal and being ready for mind renewal. There's a difference. See, a lot of us, we, we can say we want mind renewal, but actually getting ourselves ready for mind renewal is completely different. And God is a God who always considers our readiness before he gives to us revelation. This is why in the, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks to this church in Philippi and he says, there's some things that I've wanted to share with you, but you are not ready for it. I wanted to communicate some things by the Spirit of God that I consider to be meat, but you're still on milk. In other words, there were, there were things that the Spirit wanted to share with this church in Philippi, but they were not ready for it. They were not ready for the revelation that the Spirit wanted to give. And so if we want a renewed mind, we must be ready. I've titled today's teaching, Get Rid of the Lies and Get Ready for the Next Level. Say that with me. Say, get rid of the lies and get ready for the next level. Today, I want to talk about specifically our triggers. Here's our first big idea for the day. If I want a renewed mind, I have to get ready by having an honest, say honest, an honest and a, say humbled, and a humbled mind. If I want a renewed mind, I need to get ready to get to the next level by having an honest and a humbled mind. We have to be honest. We have to be honest about who we are and where we're at because we can't get where God wants us to go if, if we're not willing to acknowledge where we are. We can't change what we're not willing to confront. We cannot fix what we're not willing to put our focus and our attention on. So what this means to get ready is that we need to be in an emotionally healthy and, and mentally strengthened place where we can talk about the situation that we're in if we're in a bad situation and not feel worse about ourselves. Do you understand that? 
that, that we, can, we can talk openly and freely about where we're at. I'm in a bad place, but it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. We need to be honest. If, if, if you're mad, say, I'm mad. If you're not feeling well, say, I'm not feeling well. If you're angry and you don't know why you're angry, say, I'm angry. Because it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And some of us, we have stayed where we're at because subconsciously, we never intended for moving past it. It may not have been intentionally, but because of the patterns of our life and the negative triggers that we have experienced, now we're at a place where we believe that where we're at is where we're always going to be. So we need to be honest. Psalm 145, 18, it says, The Lord is near to all those, all those who call on him. To all who call on him in what? Truth. We have to be honest. God, you are near, and here's where I'm at. I am not in a good place. I am in a prideful position right now. Verse 19, he fulfills the desire of all those who fear him. He also hears their cry, and he saves them. God's, God, God can save us from any situation that we're in, but we need to be honest where we're at. Not only do we need to be honest, but we also need to be humble. Say humble. Turn to someone, look in the eye, say, be humble, man. Or woman. Be humble. I, I can't learn new things if I know everything, right? In Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus this question that I think a lot of us need to start asking more often. Listen to what it says. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place, Luke 11, 1. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. Now, this is interesting because these are grown Jewish men. And they knew everything about prayer, at least from the age of 13 when they had their bar mitzvah, Right? They've been praying a long time, but just because you've been praying long doesn't mean you're praying right, right? They, they saw Jesus pray, and they had a humble heart to say, will you teach us to pray like, like John teaches his disciples? Because Jesus, when you pray, we see things happen that don't happen when we pray. But, but if... If they weren't humble enough to, to ask him the question, teach us to pray, they would have never been able to pray prayers that accomplished the impossible. In fact, they, they, they wouldn't have even known that there was a next level to prayer. If they believed, yeah, we, we've been praying since we were 13, since we became men. We need to be humble. We need to be humble. We don't know everything. There's so much that we can learn. And this is important because God will progress us to the level of which we are willing to learn. God wants to grow us, but God will not elevate those that he cannot educate. So until we are in a place where we have a honest mind and a humbled mind, we can't experience a renewed mind. Turn to someone, tell them, get ready for the next level. Come on, it's nine o'clock. Turn to someone else, say, get ready for the next level. How do we do that? By getting rid of the lies. Matthew 13, three. 
Jesus told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow. Jesus gives this story and explains how, how prayer and how uh, God's word, it affects our life. And as he's explaining this, he says that, that the word of God is like a seed that is sown in the soil of our lives. And depending on the health and the quality of the soil, that is what will determine whether or not the seed will produce fruit. And as he's sharing this parable that many of us are familiar with, as he gives the explanation, he says that the soil is actually a representation of what? people's hearts but when we think of hearts we often think of the heart in the wrong way when Jesus is talking about our hearts being like soil he's not talking about the the palpitating muscle behind our ribs he's talking about the center of who we are our affections our feelings, our emotions, our imaginations. He's talking about our mind. He's not talking about the organ. He's talking about the center of how we think. He's talking about our mind. And this is why Paul, when, when, when he speaks to the Philippians in, in Philippians chapter four, he says this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or see with me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. I want you to write this big idea down. Worry and anxiety. This is important because worry and anxiety are the results of thinking on the wrong things. Thinking on the wrong things. Our mind is the soil of our heart. That's what it includes. And Paul tells the Philippians, I want you to think on things that are praiseworthy, that are good, that are godly. And then after that, he, he well actually right before that, he begins to talk about prayer and peace. And it's one of my favorite passages. He talks about how, how if we give God all that we have and through prayer and supplication, we make our requests known to him. He says, then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But when we look at it all in context, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you can pray the right things and you can pray the right way and still not have peace. Because peace doesn't come just based off of what you pray. Peace comes by what you think on. And if we are thinking on things that aren't praiseworthy, if we are thinking of, we're thinking of things that aren't the promises of God, we can pray, but our mind is now distracted. It's not being renewed by his promises, and therefore we continue in these negative triggers of our life. It says, the soil of my heart includes my mind. And then in verse chapter 24, he, he shifts from simply speaking about seeds and soil as, as it relates to our heart. He talks about seeds as, as it relates to people and salvation. But the principle of the first 23 verses still remain. The principle is this, that good seed produces good fruit. Are you guys with me? You can go home and read yourself. But what I want to talk about is verse 25. 
He says this in Matthew 13, 25. He says, but, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Did you catch that? While they were sleeping, he sowed weeds. The, the good seed produces wheat. It produces good fruit. The bad seed produces weeds. The, the good seed, the good things you think about produce godly things in your life. If you can change your mind, your life will follow. But the bad seed produce weeds, negativity, the antithesis of the promises of God. But the people didn't even know until they woke up one morning and they saw all the weeds. They didn't know what was happening. Why? Because the enemy came and sowed them when they were unaware, when they weren't paying attention, when they were asleep. See, some of us, we don't know where our triggers come from. Some of us don't know why we act the way we act in certain situations. And this is why we need to be awake and we need to be aware. If we're going to get ready for the next level, listen to me, we have to understand how our enemy works. And some of you, you don't believe that we have an enemy, but even though you don't believe in him, it doesn't, doesn't make him not real. We have to understand how our enemy Satan works. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to all the religious hypocrites. Here's what he says, John 8, 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. How about hearing that in church, right? You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. See, the devil, the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus makes it very clear. The devil is a liar. Amen? The devil is a liar. But what he wants you to believe is that God is. So he deceives you. He tells you a lie so that you can begin to believe that God is a lie. And he's been doing this from the very beginning. We've talked about this passage a few times this year. We should be pros with it. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. Satan is engaging with Eve and continues on in verse 1. He said to the woman Eve, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? What is he doing? He's questioning the validity, the validity of the truth that God had already sowed into her mind. Did God really say that? Really? Like, really? Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So she could repeat it. She knew it, but just because you know it doesn't mean that you do it, right? Just because you can recite it doesn't mean that you actually own it. Verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, how Satan knows attacks. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her dumb husband who was with her, and he ate. 
Now, this is the Garden of Eden, right? This is a paradise that is perfect. They had not yet experienced the fall. So they are still under God's authority. And the Bible says in Genesis that they have dominion, rulership over all of creation. And I want you to hear this. Because Satan doesn't have dominion. Satan can't destroy them. When you don't have the authority that I have, the only way you can attack me is to get me and manipulate me to misuse my own authority. That's what Satan did. He sowed seeds of deception. He didn't have dominion, but he, he manipulated them into misusing their own. He lied. He deceived them. And this relates to us today because I wonder how many of us have triggers in our life and how many of our triggers, I wonder, are because we're believing something that isn't true. That we're believing a lie that has been passed down to us. I wonder how many of us we are anxious inside, as the Bible says, about nothing because it's not true. Satan got Eve to believe the validity of the truth that God spoke to her. And then she behaved badly based off of the lie she believed. Turn to someone, look him in the eye, say, Wake up, sleeper! Come on, let's wake up, church. Now is not the time to be unaware. Now is not the time to be asleep. If we're going to go to the next level, for God to use us in ways that are unexpected, we have to get ready by getting rid of the lies. So in our time together, the next 11 minutes, let me make this really practical. We're going to talk about a lot of things in the upcoming weeks, but today I want to quickly give you three areas that we need to be awake, that we need to be aware of in our own lives, lest we continue to have these negative triggers that affect us with anxiety. Three things. The first one is this. Write it down. Stay awake and be aware of your influences. Say that with me. Say, stay awake and be aware of your influences. In Genesis chapter 3, who ate the fruit? Eve did. And who else? Adam. And how did Adam get it? It was passed down from Eve. Adam ate something bad that was handed to him by someone that he loved. Now hear me, I'm not going to make the jokes. I'm not saying Eve is bad. I'm not saying that, that some of the people that, that we love are bad. I'm saying, though, that just because they have a good heart doesn't mean they have the right heart. Just because they have a good heart doesn't mean they're giving God's truth to us. Sometimes people pass down philosophies and ideologies about relationships and money and life. These things are handed down to us and, and we receive them and we believe them and we make them our own truth because they're passed down from people that we trust. 
But we need to be aware. When, when we get something from somebody, someone that we trust, someone that we look up to, we still have the due diligence like the Bereans in the book of Acts to, to, to compare it to God's word and say, is, is this seed that they're trying to implant into me? Is this truth? When we compare it to the life of Jesus, our Lord and our friend and our Savior, is what they are trying to impart into me truth? Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with the character of God that I see through Jesus? It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It just means that they're not giving us the truth and we have to be awake and we have to be aware of these influences in our life. Is what you are speaking to me the truth of God's word? Otherwise, it's not good. Practically, here's what this means. I want to make this practical. Practically, this means that we have to be aware of who we talk to, how long we talk to them, and when we talk to them, right? Because how many of us know that some calls you just don't pick up on a Monday? Like you're going to start my week with all this negativity? I don't have time. I don't have the mental energy right now to process through all your negativity. I'm going to call you back on Friday. You're a Friday phone call. I'm a little bit more energized. I'm a little bit more happy on Friday. I'm like Garfield. I hate Mondays, so I'm not going to talk to you on a Monday. Does that make sense? Listen, if you are triggered often by a person... If you are triggered often when you are around a person, I'm not saying that person is bad, but I'm saying they're bad for your health. If they always get you to think on things that are negative and not praiseworthy, if they continue to take your focus off of good and godly things, they may not be bad people, but they're bad for your health. And, and good people can give you bad fruit. So we have to ask, is this good? Is what they're giving me good for my health? Write this next big idea down. You can't control all the external bad influences, but you can control how long you subject yourself to them. You can't control everything that happens, the people that call you, the people that surround themselves around you, but you can control how long you subject yourself to them. Listen, I have been triggered enough to know my own triggers. I have to understand and have grown in this to, 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 to know that there are certain people that I just can't be around that often. There are certain situations and certain environments that I have to run away from if I want to improve and grow in my mental health, if I want my mind to be transformed. Doesn't mean they're bad, it just means they're not good for my health. For instance, as much as I can, I will not drive in rush hour traffic because it gives me anxiety. Especially after this car accident, I'm like, oh, no, no, there's just too many cars going on. All right, I'm 41 now. I don't wear glasses, but I might need them. I got to turn down the radio so I can drive better. Like, I can't do that. So you know what I'm talking about. I will not be around hyper-political people because they irritate me. 
It's like, can we just eat meal? Do you have to talk about your party all the time and how the other party's the devil? We get it, but it's Thanksgiving, man. <laughs> My family's in the back. That had nothing to do with our Thanksgiving. I gave you the general statement. <laughs> I have to be aware of my circumstance. I have to be aware of my situations. If I can be honest with you, as much strength as I have after a Sunday sermon, I will not go on social media. Because what it does is it gets me to compare. And it gets me depressed. And I know that Satan wants to speak lies to me after I've done something good for the Lord of how I'm not good enough. And so I'm aware of that and I'm awake to that truth. So as much as it depends on me, I don't see your tags and I don't read your comments on Sundays because I know the enemy is a liar. We need to be aware. We need to be awake. Amen? Second thing is this. Stay awake and be aware of your injuries. Say your injuries. The enemy will tell you lies that are out loud when you are hurt. Because when you are injured, then you are open. Your heart breaks in one situation. Now the enemy will start to speak lies about every relationship. Oh, you're no good. They broke up with you because you're a bad person. And you begin to believe these lies and, and you close up. And now all these triggers affect you negatively that now you are not advancing. You are not growing to who God wants you to be. Now I want to make this clear. Listen, be wise. Don't open yourself up and share everything to anybody. But, but please don't make the mistake and believe the lie where, where now you see everything negatively. You had but one bad day. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You understand that? You had one relationship that didn't work out the way that you thought. Don't think that now you can't be in any relationship, that you can't trust any person. You had one friend who betrayed your trust. Don't think that now I can't be honest to people anymore. Can I make it real? You went to a church or maybe two or three that hurts you. Don't believe the lie that you can't thrive and find community and friendship and hope and purpose somewhere else. When we are injured, we are open and Satan will begin to speak these lies to us when we are hurt. So we need to be awake. We need to be aware of our injuries. He'll, he'll sow weeds. He'll deceive us and tell us lies so that we are anxious and we are stuck. And this is why the third one's so important. Stay awake and be aware of your exposure. We need to be aware and stay awake of our exposure. Now, I've been, I've been open and honest with you that over the past two years, I began seeing a therapist. And it's not because my mental health is bad. It's because I want to make sure my mental health stays good. 
And I have grown to uh, the healthiest that I can recall as an adult in this season. And a lot of it has to do with, with being open and honest with other people that are in my life, about being humble of ways and areas that I need to grow in and strengthen myself, of, of letting go of some, uh, some influences and some people that are bad for my health, of, of being aware of the injuries of my past and how if I don't let them uh, subside or, or, or release them that now they begin to control my current situation. I've grown a lot over these past several years, but can I tell you the thing that has brought the most mental and spiritual growth in return has been my exposure. Here's what I mean by that. Exposing myself to things that would have caused anxiety in my life have actually strengthened my mental health and my spiritual life. It's little things like, uh, you know, my therapist said, just let the kids leave a mess. I'm like, no, I can't let the kids leave a mess. You, you guys know how much I hate a mess. I'm like, no, I, I look at the mess. I'm like, oh, oh I'm, gonna, I'm having an aneurysm. What's going on? But, but the, the more I just expose myself to the mess, the, the more I see that you know, the mess represents the people that I love. I have three beautiful kids and now, now, because of the exposure, I've overcome that. And it's been some significant things as well of, of having some difficult conversations with people who have hurt me in the past. But that exposure has actually strengthened my walk with God, strengthened my relationship with him, and strengthened my leadership. Now, I want to make this clear, okay? I am not a mental health professional, I'm not. We have some resources on your way out, some great resources, some books, some apps that can help you and, and maybe in your situation, if you're feeling anxiety, if you feel depressed, if you need some positive habits, if you just need to create some good patterns in your walk with God every single day, we have some, some resources that we'd like to share with you, but I am not a mental health expert. And so I am not telling you that what you should do is to throw yourself into a situation where you will be triggered and have anxiety because it's something that messed you up in the past. But I am a spiritual health professional. And here's what I want to share with us as we conclude today. See, every single one of us, we will experience negative external events that will cause negative internal feelings inside of us. We will all be exposed to that in this life. In this world, you will have tribulation, Jesus says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. There's two promises. Promise number one, this world is not fair, this world is not easy, this world is tough, and you will go through hardship, but fear not, I am with you always. We will all experience and be exposed to negative external influences that internally give us anxiety. No matter how hard we try to fight it, you can put yourself in a bubble in a padded room with no technology and you will still experience anxiety in this life. Since we all are exposed to it anyway, let's use these triggers in our life fire back at the enemy. Let's use these feelings that 
happen inside of us to grow our faith and fight off the lies of our enemy. Here's what, here's what I mean by that. When you start feeling some way, you know what I'm talking about. You feel some way. You feel strange about something. You feel unconfident in a situation. You don't know what to do. Oftentimes, it's because you're believing a lie, but you think it's true. You think, I don't deserve to be in this room. You think that I don't have the ability to, to teach this class. You think, I'm not smart enough, or, or I'm not attractive enough, or I'm not worthy enough to be in a relationship with them. Chances are you're believing a lie. So when you feel that way, when you feel something stirring up inside of you that, that is not from God, let it steer you to God. Let it point you. And when you're aware of that, be awake. Keep your eyes open. Don't, don't, don't be asleep. Don't be unaware. When you feel that anxiety triggering inside of you and you're aware of it, let it point you to the presence of God. Now, you know that we, we, we ask those two questions every week. What's God teaching you? What are you going to do about it? Because if all we do is we come and we hear, we watch online and we click off and we go live our day, but we don't live it out, it, it's worthless. So I want to put this into practice today. Would you stand to your feet? With every eye closed. I want you to think of what triggers you. Think of what gets you irritated, what gets you anxious. Think of this past week. What caused you to, to feel crippled? What caused you to, to feel like you could not move forward? How did you feel in that situation? What were you thinking? What did you believe about that situation? That you're no good? That people only knew you wouldn't be accepted? That you've been hiding behind a mask for so long? Whatever you believed, God's truth trumps that. So as our worship team comes out, and as we conclude today, I just want you to hear God's truth and let his word, let his truth, his promises for you personally give hope, take away the lie, and transform your mind. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion or even anxiety. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Do you trust in the Lord today? 
wants to take you to another level. He wants to grow you. He wants to give you new strength. It says they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Philippians 4.19, then this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours in Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love. Not death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears of today, or worries of tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell and the lies of Satan can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God for you that has been revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. And John 14, 27, he says, I'm leaving you with the gifts. Receive this gift right now, church. Would you just stretch out your hands and receive this gift and, and let it overtake the lie? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.